I know, we're all sad, Owen. All right. <clears throat> so, welcome to Chi Alpha tonight. Looks a little different already, right? So, what have we been going over this summer so far? Y'all remember? Acts. Okay. So, we've been going over Acts, right? Carried over from this, this past semester. Um, so, that's where we're going to continue in tonight as well. All right. So, who here is an introvert? All right. I know you don't really want to raise your hand. Like, I, I, yeah, I get it. The introverts don't want to really raise your hand because you're an introvert. Like, I don't want to be called out. So, but, yeah, where are my extroverts? All right, there you are right there, okay? So, which one do you think I am? All right. So, I'm, I'm an extrovert, all right? I, I enjoy being around people, and um, I am pretty extroverted, but um, it's, I wouldn't say that I'm extreme extrovert. Like, I'm not landing over here, you know, and so, yeah, not even close, but um, I am pretty extrovert. I like being around people, stuff like that. Um, it, my wife actually tells me that I'm secretly an introvert because I still have to withdraw to go get rest. Like I have to withdraw from people and be by myself for a little while. But my wife, on the other hand, where's where's my wife, Cody? Cody, Cody, where's my wife? There she is. All right. So this is my family, right? So my wife is, on the other hand, is an introvert, okay? And, like, so much so that being around other people in large crowds sometimes is, it takes, you know, it's work for her to do that. Um, and she has actually described it to me as in some social environments as exhausted, exhausting and draining, that she is totally drained by the end of just being in a crowd like this, okay? Well, all that being said, Oh, and these are my two girls. The um, Emmeline is the older, and she acts like me. And Brooklyn is the baby, and she acts just like my wife. It is so funny. Okay. And if just heads up, if you don't want to age prematurely, don't have girls. Like, because yeah, because once you have girls, you age really fast. Like. Look at look at Dryden. Look look at Dryden. He has sons. Dryden's actually like five years older than me. So, no. But no, actually, Dryden's a little bit younger than me. But yeah, once I had girls, I aged a lot faster. Okay. So, with all this being said, everyone like we know that uh, that we cannot survive without others, even though she's very introverted and I'm extroverted, like we know that we need other people in our lives. We have to have friends, have people that we are around more than just each other as well, okay? So everyone needs friends, brothers and sisters that we can count on when things happen. No matter what the circumstances are, day in, day in, day out, 24-7, you have somebody that you can call no matter what, okay? So I've been reading this book right here known it's dick and ruth foth are the ones that have wrote this book and it's awesome like 
it is talking the like subtitle of the book is finding deeper friendship in a shallow world. Okay. And it's really good. I actually, I, I was told about it and I didn't know how I was going to like it. I've been eating it up. Like it's great. And <laughs> I, I got you. I see you. I see what you did there. Um, but in this book, Dick actually says relationships are built three ways through natural chemistry over time and under pressure. Okay. So talking about friendship, how many of you can actually remember your first friend? Right. I know some of y'all have to think way back to like five years ago to remember your first friend, but it was like, but if you can really remember your first friend, what was your first friend? Like, who was your first friend? Like, I think about this, and I can remember my first friend, and the reason that is is because one of my earliest memories is actually of him. Him and I are actually, like, and the reason I know it's one of my earliest memories is because we're in diapers, right? And we are actually running around our, parent, our mom's legs. They're talking in the middle of the street because I grew up in a small town, at the end of a dead end street. And his family lived right across the road from us. Like, and so his name is Keith, Keith Coba. And so Keith and I are like, Keith and I are like uh, eight months apart. I don't know what that was. <laughs> so anyway, like we're like eight months apart. Like I'm eight months older than Keith. And so, it's funny that this is my first memory, but our moms are talking in the middle of the street and we're just running around their legs playing. And it's like, there wasn't a whole lot of kids down there. Like I totally lost my place, Cody. <laughs> All right. Um, so there was a, there wasn't any other kids in that area. Cause we're like on the end of this dead end road and, um, it's him and I and our older two brothers later on, like five years later, my little brother comes around. But at that time, it was, you know, that's it. So if we wanted to survive, our older brothers, because our older brothers are the same age as well, that we had to stick together. Yeah. Right? And our older brothers were always teaming up on us for some reason. And they're always like, <laughs> they're either trying something stupid on us or trying to get us to do something stupid. Uh, like I can even remember this one time that Cody and Brian was our older brothers that they built this catapult and my family had a, uh, <laughs> my family had a catering business. And so we had big walking coolers and freezers in our backyard and cause it was run out of our house and, um, or we had a catering kitchen on the side of the house. And so through this, we had these huge, uh, freezers and refrigerators that we had order food in all the time. So they make this catapult just to launch eggs at me and Keith. And so Cody would go in and steal all these eggs because we'd order them by the crate and he'd take these eggs and then they would shoot them at us. And then he'd go pick up all these eggs and stuff and then throw them over the fence or right next to our back fence because there was a lady that lived behind us that threw our scraps in our backyard. And so my mom always thought it was her and it was actually my older brother throwing the eggshells back there. <laughs> and, and so... Like, we were always doing stuff together, me and Keith. We were riding bikes and climbing trees, playing games, and those are just the safe ones, all right? And then as we grew, though, like, our interests and stuff changed, and we started doing, like, the things that we did grew, too. We started playing sports, so we started practicing baseball together, or right at the end of the dead-end dead street, you go across a big bar ditch, and the golf course is on the other side, 
And so we'd go play, you know, a few holes of golf as long as we didn't get caught. And because we weren't members, like, but the three relationships that we were talking about, which one do you think Keith's and I's relationship were based on? Over time. All right. So over, over time. In, because day in and day out, we live life together. Like we saw each other every day. Okay. We're still friends today. And um, I don't ever, I don't see him very often. We don't live in the same places anymore, but we'll go home for holidays and stuff. And his parents still live across the street from my mom. And so I actually see them. I actually, this last time I went home, Mr. Kobe actually came over and was like, man, I hadn't seen you in a while. And talk to us. Like nothing ever, you know, happened. Like we're still friends like that. So where am I going with this, right? So in Acts, we actually get to read about Paul and some of his missionary journeys and the things that happen on these missionary journeys. But what I'd like to draw your attention to is through those journeys, Paul was always bringing people with him. Okay. He didn't go out and do this on his own. He would actually, um, go with others, like sent out with others, or sometimes even ask other people to go with them. And I'm also reminded, it reminded me, like just reading about this actually reminded me of another friendship that I once read about. And you might recognize this. It says, go back, Sam. I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are, and I'm coming with you. Right? So that's Sam and Frodo at the end of Fellowship of the Rings. And here, Frodo realizes that he has to actually leave the fellowship to for to complete the task that was laid upon his shoulders right that burden he had to go and do and he had to leave the fellowship to do this on the other hand sam knew that he couldn't do it alone and so he needed friend he needed a friend to go along with him and do that so in acts 13 it actually says while they were worshiping the lord and fasting the holy spirit said set apart for me barnabas and saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So here we're seeing Barnabas and Saul getting ready to go out on what's called Paul's first missionary journey. Okay? And these two guys are going to be traveling together. They're going to be going from town to town preaching the gospel. And they're going to be living life together. But this isn't where the journey actually started. Okay? It, we can actually go back into Acts 11 and read about where Barnabas actually goes to Tarsus to pull Paul, like to get Paul and pull him with him to Antioch and do ministry there. So it actually brings Paul to, um, to start preaching together in Antioch way before, I think it was about two years before they actually go to do this, uh, this missionary journey. Um, and so they were already well acquainted at that time because he had already known about him and knew that he could do, like he was the help, helper, the helpmate that he needed. And this partnership between the two was believed to be a mentorship. And it was Paul as the, as the disciple that Paul is actually going to be learning from Barnabas. And this mentorship relationship isn't anything that's new to Paul because Paul had been a Pharisee. Like as a Pharisee, Paul knew that he needed to go and learn from his elders and develop um, what he needed as a Pharisee. But these two were working together, and so whenever the church was going to send somebody out, it just sort of made sense they send these two together. It also doesn't hurt that the Holy Spirit tells them, hey, 
these two, send them out, right? Whenever you get told like that, it's sort of it's a little more bold, right? And you go out with them. And so from what I can tell, these two worked together for about four to five years in, in traveling before they part ways. And this is a great example of discipleship right here and what they're doing and going out and just building that friendship over time. And so another way that Dick said that um, to build a relationship was under pressure. So everybody has to have a friend like that, a friendship that you build under pressure. Um, my best friend and I met almost 25 years ago now. Okay? And we actually met in church, but don't let that fool you, man. Because we got in some stuff together. Like we would do all kinds of things. And the reason we got into some stuff together is I was pretty rambunctious at that time in my life, to put it mildly. Um, and my perception of my best friend was that he was a goody-goody, you know, one of those like teacher pet type kids that never did anything wrong. He always like towed the line, never got in trouble. What I didn't realize at the time was really he was just as rambunctious as I was. He was just more discreet about it. Okay. And I told you before that I grew up in a small town. So in this town, um, it's funny because we would, they would have these huge dances. And this is, um, the dances would be over a thousand people at the dance. There's only 2,000 people in my town. So like the town's almost doubling in size, just having a dance, right? Because people would come from all around just to come to these big dances. And I was, that's sort of weird. Um, and I would frequent these dances because small town, not much to do. And I enjoyed dancing. So as I'm walking through the dance one night, I look over and I see this friend. And he's there and he like looks at me. I look at him, I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, I was like, man, and the reason it caught me off guard was because, one, he didn't live in the town that I did, and two, he didn't dance. Like, and, and so, like, that wasn't why he was there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and that night was just... Yeah, that night was just one of many times that we got into something that we probably shouldn't have gotten into. And I could sit here and for a long time tell you story after story about things that we got into. I'm not going to do that because most of those stories are, I'm going to leave right where they are, and that's in the past because that's where they need to be left. Um, <laughs> even, even to this day, like if you get him and I in smaller groups together, we still enjoy telling stories about each other. Because of all the things that we went through together, like we've remained friends over all these years. And we live life together, not just as roommates and stuff, um, but day in and day out. And so we know things about each other that nobody else knows. And we've also like grown together. He was in my wedding, I was in his wedding. We've held each other's kids. Like him and his wife are actually uh, godparents to our girls. And it's like, we, like, I owe him and his family a lot because it's a, it's a debt that I can never repay because without them, I wouldn't be standing before you today. It was actually because of Josh Hugendorn that I got to Sam Houston State University, right? So I see somebody's mouth over here because they're like, oh, he's talking about Josh. Yes, I'm talking about Josh. And like, we are not the same people that we were then but 
if it wasn't for him and the stuff that we went through, like it wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today, like either one of us. Um, and this reminds me of a miniseries that I watched, and maybe some of you have seen it, Band of Brothers, right? Have you ever seen it? So if you have, if you have not seen Band of Brothers, Band of Brothers follows Easy Company. So it's a company in the 101st Airborne during World War II. So throughout this miniseries, it's based on true stories. And throughout the miniseries, like some of the episodes, you actually get to see some of the men that were still living when they filmed it were actually telling parts of their story on film. And it's like, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like getting goosebumps right now because they, they went through all kinds of stuff together. And at one point, these men are totally cut off from the Allied troops. So they dug foxholes and held their position in... Um, they went through a crazy time together. And so if you want to talk about building friendship under pressure, I can't think of a better example. And this is what one of them said. So they also found in combat the closest brotherhood they ever knew. They found selflessness. They found they could love the other guy in in their foxhole more than themselves. They found that in war, men who loved life would give their lives for them. Okay? So... I would recommend watching that. Just know that it is filmed on HBO. So some of the stuff, like it's not edited, and it's like some of the stuff is very um, graphic. And so just don't, uh, just be aware of that if you go watch it. But if you want to learn about brotherhood, you can learn about it from those men right there. So it was crazy pressure that those guys had to go under because they're in these foxholes and they're getting shelled and they're just like, trees are just being blown away above their heads. And like, they look at their friend that's like running to get into another foxhole and then he just disappears and they have to talk about that and like live through that. And so the guys that survived actually had this brotherhood that is uncanny. And um, from what I understand, the men still meet once a year, the ones that were living last time I heard that they were still meeting together once a year um, just so they could like, cause they were that close still after all that happened. Um, but let's take a look at the pressure, like the, the brotherhood that Paul built under pressure. Right. Cause at the end of chapter 15, we see Paul getting ready to go out on a second missionary journey. And this time, um, he had him and Barnabas had parted ways and he is choosing a different traveling companion. So it says, but Paul chose Silas and left um, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Okay? And so I wonder if whenever Silas just, you know, agreed to go on this thing with Paul, that um, if he ever thought to himself, man, what did I get myself into? Because, like, those two got into some stuff together. And as we heard Trevor talk last week, while they were in Philippi, there was a young lady who was following them and like calling things out after them, right? And it said this young lady was possessed with a spirit of divination. And so when she was following Paul and shouting, he finally just got tired of it and told her to, in Jesus' name, you know, be healed. And she was. And like he just healed her like he cast it out in Jesus name so he's like everybody is like oh this is cool no that's not what happened 
the city officials actually come and get him and ordered him and Silas to be stripped, beaten, and thrown into prison. And so I just started thinking about that this week and was like picturing it because I'm a very visual person. So I'm like thinking about them doing this. And I can just imagine the conversation that these two are having in the dungeon after they get like shackled up down there. And while I'm imagining this and coming like thinking about through this, I just talked about Josh. So I started imagining him and I like what if it was us two sitting there And so I'm imagining these two things like side by side as like because I can really imagine me and Josh sitting there and just in pain, bleeding, and then just laugh and be like, can you like believe that we just got beat for helping a young lady? Like we just helped her out and they just came and flogged us. Like, and now we're locked up in prison and just be like, man, that really just happened for Jesus. And so you're sitting there saying that in, um, but I did this and while I'm like thinking this, I sort of that half chuckle, like, it's just like, man, this really is going on. Right. And because we read right after that, these two seem to find joy under that pressure. Because, you know, the next thing they do is the same thing everybody else does when they get, you know, beaten, thrown in prison, right? They start praying and singing. Right. Like, so much so that there's a, you know, the other prisoners and stuff are listening to them. And then they hear something going on. Well, it's an earthquake. All their shackles are dropped off. The jailer comes in and he's like, oh, what's going on? He's about to kill himself because he knew that he was going to get killed if all the prisoners escaped. And Paul calls out. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. We're all still here. Right. (laughs) Just because of how they were honoring what had happened to them. The jailer comes and not only does he get saved, but his entire household gets saved. So not just his family, but like his slaves and everybody else. It said his entire household gets saved. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, man, that's, that's just, that's so crazy. Just cause they're over there under pressure, having a good time and building that relationship. All right. And then the story from there just keeps getting better because then the, uh, the city officials realize what they've done in that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens and that they just messed up. Right. And so they tell them that, hey, they have, y'all have to leave. Like, get out of here. Y'all are free. And, but Paul's like, no, you better come over here and escort us, escort us out of here because you done messed up. All right. And makes them walk them out of town. Like, it's like, no. Nah. I was like, man, like, that's bold. Like, you just got beat and in prison and now you're being set free. And now you're going to make the people be like, you better do it right. Like, <laughs> And so I'm just like, man, that, and that was just the beginning of their journey. So building friendship through things like under pressure. And those guys had some kind of bond that other people just don't understand because of that, right? So, so far we've talked about under pressure and um, through over time, right? So what was the third one? Do you remember? So chemistry, okay? So over the time here at Chi Alpha, I've, I've put a lot of emphasis behind the first two, right? The chemistry thing, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know, really know if that, because I'd never really hear that. I just didn't put, put much emphasis behind it yeah, right. until a short time ago. Sam, Trevor, and myself had the opportunity um, to
to go and hang out with some of our dear friends and get dinner with them one night. We're, this was at district council. And while we're at dinner, the conversation was exactly what I'm talking about tonight. And the person talking about this had said the same thing about putting weight behind the other two, about putting weight behind um, time and pressure, but not really putting much weight behind the chemistry until also here recently. And po then posed the question and asked, have you, ever, uh, have you ever met someone and had an instant spark, a chemistry that you could not be explained? And that question caught me a little off guard. And I was like, I wasn't expecting that, especially from this person that's asking me this. And so as I thought about it, it brought me back to one time when I was about 16 years old. And a group of guys came to my home church in that little town. And they were visiting because we had a prophet that came. Okay, And the prophet was speaking there, a guest speaker. And so they came down to see him. And my friend's dad, actually Coach Hugendorn, brought me over and, um, to meet these guys. And one by one, I'm shaking their hand and introducing myself. And I get to this one guy, and um, there was something different about him. And when I shook his head, hand, something inside of me drew me to him. And in my 16-year-old mind, the only thing I could think of was, this is the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. Okay? Um, and I didn't see that man again after that day for about four years. Okay? And the man I had met, at, and, um, and it was whenever I was actually sitting in the Chi Alpha service here in Huntsville. And the man that I had met at 16 and the one asking me the question were one and the same. Eli Gotro. Okay? And after I had answered that question, Eli also said, he's like, you know, the same thing happened to me whenever I met Pastor Barnes. He said that when they had met, that his spirit instantly bowed to Pastor Barnes. So if you don't know, Pastor Barnes was Eli's mentor when he moved to Huntsville. And he mentored him the rest of his life. And so Pastor Barnes was a great man. I actually got to know him. Was at his funeral. Like he was, he was amazing and loved him very dearly. Um, but when Eli said that, I knew that I'd felt the same way at 16 years old and just never was able to put it in those words and didn't know how to express it. But the only way that I could express it at the time was saying, hey, this is the coolest man I've ever met in my life, which actually I still think to this day, like Eli is still the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. Okay. But we can also see that in scripture with Paul and Timothy. Okay. Because in Acts 16, one through three, this is where Paul goes to meet Timothy or and it says when Paul for when Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, there where where there was a young disciple named Timothy, his mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. So there was something that actually drew Paul to Timothy. And that it was more than just themselves that were coming together like, hey, that's a cool guy. Like, but no, there was something within themselves that drew each other together. And so Paul ended up being a spiritual father to Timothy. And we even 
read later in the epistles that Timothy ended up being Paul's favorite companion and co-laborer. And you might even say that he ended up being the son that Paul never had. So a true disciple to Paul and a true armor bearer for him. So here in Chi Alpha, we use a verse that we base a lot of stuff off of and we repeat often. Anybody know what it is? Second Timothy 2.2, right? So it says, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And worship band, you can come back up. So here, Paul does not just tell him some kind words and just like send him on his way, but he gives him a charge because he loves Timothy so dearly um, and he trusts him so much. This, this was the last thing that he could like impart to him before he, um, before he left because he was actually sitting and writing this to Timothy while he was in prison. Right. It's like, if I don't ever get to give him anything else, this is what I can leave him. So as Christians, the task that has been placed upon us or the charge that we have been given by Jesus is people. Okay? We cannot do this on our own. It is working shoulder to shoulder with one another. You know, fighting side by side one another for the lost lambs of God. Um, and we have to build a strong brotherhood with other believers, you know, so that, we, that way we can build God's kingdom, not our own. So tonight, I really feel like we should um, pray about these relationships that we've had in the past, um, that we already have in our lives, and the new ones that we'll be building, building here in the near future. Because in just a couple months, or yeah, a month and a half, we're going to be getting right back into it with the spring or the fall semester, right? Next semester, new friends new people. So who knows? Maybe, we, maybe you will meet your Silas, your Timothy, right? Your, your Barnabas right there at Sam Houston, like on this campus. Okay. And while reflecting on these relation, these relationships, think about how they were built. Was it over time? Was it under pressure? Was it the chemistry? And then ask the Lord what you should do with that. Do you need to be the disciple or armor bearer for that person? Or do you need to become a mentor or a leader? So no matter what it is, um, no matter what that answer is, whether you're the leader or disciple, like ask God how he wants you to serve them. Right? So if we can just go into a time of prayer and reflection.